Today, the main uh, aim is to think a bit about the vision of the church. We take a couple of Sundays a year to think through what is it that we're really here to do. But before we dive into that, let's turn to God's word, to Luke chapter 16. If you've got a Bible in front of you, let's turn there. I'll read it for us in a second. Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Lord, we pray that you would flood this place, flood our minds, flood our hearts with your goodness and your glory now. Through the power of your spirit, bring this passage to life in us. And help us to leave here encouraged and unified around the vision that you've laid before this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I've said, I want to take some time today to think about the vision of St. Peter's Church. A vision has been described as a bit like a picture of a preferred future. It's the future that you want to see. A vision involves acknowledging where you'd like to be, acknowledging where you are now, and then working out what you're going to do to close the gap between the two things. A vision might seem like it's a long way away from where we are now, but it plots a course for us and says, well, this is the direction that we're heading in. A vision also serves to give clarity. What is it that St. Peter's is about? What are we here to do? What should occupy our prayers and our attention? What should we give our money and resources towards? A vision gives clarity around all of that. Particularly when resources are limited, a vision helps us to make decisions to say, well, what do we pursue and what do we press pause on for now? I find in my own life, and I've seen many things that go about without an aim, 
And without an aim, you can quite often drift into things that you didn't really ever intend to set out doing. A vision keeps us on the straight and narrow and says, here's what we're here to do. Here's what we're going to give everything to pursue. And here's what we're hoping. By God's grace and his power, he brings about in our midst. For you also, I hope that by articulating our vision again, it gives you an opportunity to think and to pray and to say, is this something genuinely that I can get behind? Is this something that excites me? Is this something that I can see a part for me in? And I really hope it is because this vision is going to take all of us and so many more. And even then, it's going to be a lifetime's work by God's grace and his power. Genuinely, if you hear this and you think, actually, this, this isn't me. God's put in me different passions and gifts and priorities that just don't seem to align here. There are churches all over Bury and further afield that are doing good things, are doing their bit of God's great work. And if you would fit in better there, then go with our blessing. And I hope that God gives you peace as you make that kind of decision. As it says on the screen, the vision of St. Peter's is that it would be in every sphere of Bury, as it is in heaven. Whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say a version of this, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, when he came to earth, he came to show us what heaven really looks like and to bring the things that go on in heaven down to earth with him. So in heaven, there's perpetual glorious worship. There's healed relationships. There's pure people. There's unity amongst believers. In heaven, there's no sickness, no suffering, no distress. There's people restored to a perfect relationship with God. And so when Jesus came down to earth, he set about pursuing all of these things, showing people what it was to worship God healing people who were sick, freeing people who were afflicted by evil spirits, providing for people who had nothing, pursuing justice, doing the things of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And then when he ascended back to heaven after his death and his resurrection, Jesus said, you carry on in the direction that I've been traveling. You, my followers, are now commissioned to continue on in the way that I have been. And I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit to empower you to do this, because it's going to be hard, and it's going to take the resources of God to bring about. What Jesus started, his followers are called to continue. And that's what St. Peter's vision helps us to keep front and center in every sphere of Bury, not just the church, not just the bits of our life that we're comfortable with God being a part of, but in every sphere of Bury, business, education, health, the natural environment, infrastructure, politics, the bits of your job that no one else really does. What would the kingdom of heaven look like if it were to start working its way into all of those places and even further? In every sphere of Bury, as it is in heaven. What would it look like for each of those things, those industries, those spheres to live as if Jesus is Lord? What would it look like for the arts to come under the Lordship of Jesus, the creative one? What would it look like 
if every industry was shown the kindness and the goodness of God through people like you who go into those industries, those spheres, every day of your life. This is a huge vision. But we serve a huge God. This is going to take all of us and many more people a long, long time to fulfill, but that's okay. Because Jesus is working to see this happen. This is what he gave his life for. And this is what he encourages us and commissions us to do with all the time that we have on earth now. I recognise that this is big and also recognise that each of us has different passions and giftings. And they come from God. So beneath this central vision, I've called three pillars. Three things that we can pursue that help us to reach this overall vision. The first is wholehearted devotion. Wholehearted devotion to Jesus in worship, in prayer, in Bible reading, in Bible living, in fasting, in whatever else it takes for you to give over your whole heart to Jesus. Remembering that he was the one that first gave his whole heart for you on the cross. To be straight with you, a half-hearted people aren't going to see Barry transformed. A half in, half out, sort of yes, bit no. Those kind of people aren't going to see the kind of things that we're longing for. Jesus is calling people to say, I'll give you everything, Jesus. You're worth it all and so much more. I'm throwing everything I've got behind you. Not hedging my bets in other things or trying to have a bit of this and a bit of that. All Jesus. In the words of that famous hymn, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. St. Peter's, we're going to be a wholehearted people who give everything that we've got to Jesus. If you think more visually, then I like to imagine this as a bit like a furnace community. The fire of our passion, our devotion to Jesus burns red hot perpetually, where we add the fuel of our lives to the fire of God's glory. And where every time we gather in places like this or to pray, when we bump into each other in the street, we spur each other on and it's almost like the fire gets stoked again. A little bit more oxygen comes in. The breath of the Holy Spirit comes in and sees us come to even greater life. We're going to be a furnace community where the fire of our love for Jesus roars strong, glows bright so that many around can see and know that they've got an invitation to this as well. Second pillar then, transformational growth. Transformational growth in Jesus through discipleship, training, leadership development, and everything done in close community. It's often said that we become like what we worship. And so if we're worshipping Jesus wholeheartedly, we should naturally become like him. And of course, that's a journey that takes our whole lives. But bit by bit, and decision by decision, and day by day, we become more like the one that we love, the one that we worship, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said to the first followers, come and follow me. And he meant it very literally. I'm walking over there, come and follow me. Make a decision to do that once, yes, but every day more steps in that direction. Every time 
there's any distance between us. Deliberate effort made to close that gap, to be as close to him as possible. Becoming a Christian happens in a moment of faith, like I talked about last week. But living as a Christian goes on for every day of our lives. We don't get by just on one decision, a ticket from way back when. Jesus says, keep following me today. Keep being transformed into my likeness. Keep growing in all the good things that I've put inside you. I want St. Peter's to be a place where week by week and month by month and year by year, we can say genuinely people are being transformed. Where people who are pretty great already in many cases look even more glorious in a year's time because they've given even more of themselves over to God. Where they've been spurred on by one another and so they're growing in spiritual gifting, in godly character, in being equipped for service in whatever sphere God calls them to. If you went along to, I don't know, a weight loss group, and after a year, nothing had changed, you'd start to question whether it was very effective, right? If you went along to a therapist, and after six months, nothing had really changed, you'd think, well, what, is there really anything in this? I think too often people come along to church for years and years and years, and nothing really changes, because they're not committing themselves to Jesus. They're not saying, have it all. Take full authority have the wheel of my life. Let's be a people who grow, who are transformed from one degree of glory to the next as we follow Jesus. Thinking visually again, I like to think of this as a greenhouse kind of community, a greenhouse which is set. The conditions are just right in order that things grow more quickly inside the greenhouse than they ever could outside it. The temperature's right, the nutrients are right, the watering's right. The sunlight is intensified, and suddenly these plants come out of nowhere. Tiny seeds, in not very long, become great harvests. Could we be a place where tiny seeds of faith, not very long, turn into great harvests of righteousness? Third pillar then, multiplying faith. Multiplying faith with Jesus through evangelism, through mission, through compassion, through church planting. Every time we hear Jesus talk, one of the recurring themes that we hear is about multiplication. Jesus is the one that talks about small mustard seeds that grow into huge trees that birds can perch in. Jesus is the one that talks about money that should grow interest. Jesus is the one that talks about five loaves and two fishes that are multiplied to feed about 10,000 people. Jesus is the one that says, go and do likewise. When Jesus is involved, multiplication is always possible. When Jesus is involved, multiplication is always the aim. Let's think of it in these terms. Jesus called 12 people to follow him, become his first disciples. Before too long, There were 72 of them. Well, there's six times increase in not very long. 72 then become 120 on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fills them and 120 become 3,120. And then in decades and centuries after that, Christianity grew and spread to the point where now billions of people, whatever number you want to put on it, but upwards of a billion people, Follow Jesus as Lord here today. Jesus started with 12, 
we now have billions because he is in the work of multiplication. And I want us here to see faith in Jesus multiplied in Bury. We've got some here and it's brilliant. But I want to see it multiplied into new homes that don't currently know who Jesus is. Into new workplaces where Jesus has never even been mentioned. I want small seeds of faith that we might see in schools or hospitals grow into bigger and bigger things. Because Jesus is always in the work of multiplying good things, of growing himself in us. I want faith multiplied across Berry as new people put their trust in Jesus for the very first time. As people start to order their families and their decision making and their finances after the image of Jesus and faith in them grows from just being a part of it to being all of it. I want to see different parts of this town and this borough and beyond blessed with great church communities that are sent from here new ministries, new leaders who go to a place and see what's gone on here multiplied over there as well. That's the way that we're going to see Bury and Beyond transformed to look more like heaven than it currently does. If you think visually again, I think of this as a bit of a springboard kind of a community. You know those springboards where you put your weight onto them and then you're propelled further than you could ever jump on your own. Wouldn't it be amazing if through encouragement, through spurring one another on, this became a springboard community where you thought, I could only really do this much. But through the encouragement, the prayers, the training, the blessing that we get by being together, we actually go way further than we could on our own. We go with others and we see more done for Jesus than we ever thought possible. We're able to reach beyond ourselves into dark corners of this town, this borough, and see them flooded with the light of Jesus Christ. The vision then of St. Peter's is that every bit of Bury, every sphere, would be changed to look more like heaven. And we'll get there as we devote ourselves to Jesus and Jesus alone, as we commit ourselves to growing continually more into his image, and as we respond to his commission to go and show his gospel to the town, to the borough, to your friends, to your neighbours who desperately need to hear and see it. Next week I'm going to unpack this some more, thinking about specific things that we're trying or have already started that fit under some of these headings. Specific things that we'd love for you to get behind with your time and your prayers. We're also going to be thinking about how do we resource this? How do we finance it? How can our generosity unlock some of this so that we're invested in what God is doing? That's the vision. Those are the pillars. And I'm sure, because I know what God's like, that there are things within that that you think, I could be a part of that. That intrigues me. There's something in there for me. Maybe there's a passion that you've already got. Maybe there's a person that's come to mind. However you can play your part in this, as we all pull in one direction, we will start to see this place look more like heaven. And then the overflow, the spillover, will transform Berry in ways that are going to be glorious. Let's consider Jesus' words in the passage that we read to ground what I've said as our vision in the reality of this passage 
So this is Jesus speaking. And he talks of a rich man who lived in opulence and luxury and wealth. Today it might be great fame, make great grandeur. They might be a person that everyone knows who's made it, who's got the cars and the houses and the holidays and whatever else it is that people are going after. But crucially, this rich man didn't know Jesus and didn't follow Jesus. At this guy's gate is Lazarus, a poor guy, didn't have anything to his name. Some people think he would have been disabled in a time when that just wouldn't have been provided for. Lazarus had nothing, but he had everything in that he knew and lived for Jesus. The rich man and Lazarus both die, and at that point we see what really matters. The rich man, the luxury is gone, and torment surrounds him. For Lazarus, his pain has gone, and now God's glory surrounds him. The rich man calls out for relief, but by that point, it's too late. Decisions that are made on earth have consequences after death. He says, well, at least send a messenger. I've got five family members who need to hear this so that they don't end up in the same place I am. And Abraham says, on earth, they have Moses and the prophets. On earth, they have the law. That's what Moses represents. He was the one that heard it from God and wrote it down and gave it to us. On earth, they've got the law and they've got the prophets, the people who hear God and speak out what he's saying. Abraham's saying they've already got God's law. They've already got God's words coming to them through the prophets. If they don't listen to them, then why are they going to listen to anything else? This is a stark picture. But really, simply put, If you don't follow Jesus here today, follow him right now. Come to him and receive from him this gift of everlasting life. The world will tell you to chase after all the stuff the rich man had. And yet when it comes to the end of it, what does it really count for? Because he ends up in torment because he doesn't know Jesus. When you come to Jesus and say, I want to be yours. Forgive me for everything that's held me back from you. You receive life in all its fullness. And it goes on from now, through death, and on into eternity. If you do follow Jesus here today, make sure that you use your time left on earth to invite those around you to follow Jesus too. There will come a time when it's too late. There will come a time when, like for this rich man, he wishes he could have made a different decision, but the option won't then be on the table. Whilst there's breath in our lungs and there's people around us, the time is now to let them know about Jesus and his goodness and his offer of fullness of life for them now and on into the future. Before we spend a moment praying for you, I'd love to invite you in the days and weeks and months ahead to join me in praying that were this account that we've read written about Berry here and now, Abraham could look and say, well, they have Moses, they have the prophets, but they also have the people of St. Peter's, full of the Holy Spirit, 
passionate about Jesus, ready to show the love of God, to live the life that Jesus calls them to, to share the invitation that Jesus gives them. Let Berry listen to them. Today, people do have the law, they do have the prophets, but many wouldn't understand what that meant. Many haven't heard it in a way that they can really understand. My prayer is that everyone in Berry, through what goes on here, gets to hear about the goodness of God in language that makes sense to them, put on display by someone that they know, someone that they trust, someone that they've seen God at work in, even if they didn't know that's what it was that was going on. My prayer is that Abraham could look and say, they've got the people of St. Peter's. They've got the example of the people of St. Peter's. They've had the invitation through the people of St. Peter's. Let Berry listen to those people who keep harping on about the goodness of Jesus and inviting people to live and follow him.